Hey, welcome back. Hey, what's to going on? Episode three of the Amen Corner. This is Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. How's it going? It's going all right, man. How are you? I'm good. It's been a crazy news week once again as we gear up to the election. Is there is there a week that goes by that is not a crazy news week? Not anymore. I think it's, we're, we're living in crazy times. And you, and you know what's nuts to me is that as the news cycle is completely sucked up by the... I mean, the presidential campaign sucks up the news cycle. There's incredible things going on around the world. I mean, the hello, the Iraqis are trying to retake Mosul. I mean, this is a huge story, but mm, no one really cares. Well, isn't, that a, isn't this the October surprise that the Democrats have planned to take the election away from the Republicans? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. like Mosul is, you know, we waited until it was it would have maximum impact on the election because right, so many people know what Mosul is, where it is, <laughs> and how important it is. And, and millions of Iraqis displaced in the desert starving is uh, definitely a, a great electoral strategy for the yeah, Democrats. Yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. But most people don't view them as, not most people, many people don't, they view those, the, the people outside of Mosul as expendable anyway. I mean, look, after our, you know, 14-year encounter with Iraq, direct encounter, forgetting the previous 11 years, right? Um, I would venture to guess that most of our fellow Americans have absolutely no idea where Mosul is. Even, you know, granted, all of these people who've served in the military and have been deployed in and out of Iraq for, for all of these years, I would bet most Americans don't even know where Mosul is. I mean, so, I know where Mosul is, but if you handed me a map of Iraq, I'd be hard-pressed to, you know, pinpoint to, to it. To pinpoint it? Yeah. I, I would say that the discussion of uh, Maria Bartiromo's uh, décolletage at the Al Smith dinner was oh. definitely more water cooler talk this week than the battle for Mosul. That's probably true. Is would that have, would that be considered? That's a more uplifting though, a much more uplifting conversation. <laughs> up, up, uplifting is the key <laughs> there. <laughs> That's right. Is exactly. that water? Is that water cooler talk or is that locker room talk? <laughs> I think if we refer to it as décolletage, it's it's definitely appropriate for water. You know, you are so highbrow with that, but that's really <laughs> that's really just putting I, a fancy French word on on cleavage. You know, I hadn't even thought about it until I read the Washington Post this morning, and uh, I think it was either Kathleen Parker or Kathleen Randall re- referred to it as décolletage. Oh, so it somebody, was, else, was, somebody else it, noticed that? Yes. <laughs> the entire world. Not just the two of us texting. And, of course, Lauren sitting next to me going, what are you texting about? Uh, nothing. So, yeah, the Al Smith dinner. Oh. Who knew that the Al Smith dinner could be so arousing? It was arousing. I mean, it was it was extraordinarily horrible. difficult to watch and horrible in every other way, except for that. It was the only saving grace, I think. It, you know, it's just uh, you've, every time you feel like we've hit a new low, the bottom just keeps dropping out. <laughs> we just keep exactly. going down and down. And the sick thing is... We're we're all sucked into this reality show, and we can't stop watching it. I, I know. I mean, how much discussion has there been about nasty women in oh. the last week? I love that a lot of women are turning this into a positive, and like wearing shirts that say "nasty women," and you know the. Does hashtag. Michelle want a nasty? Does Michelle want a nasty woman? 
uh, t-shirt? Yeah, we haven't talked about it, but I'm sure if I got her one, she would wear it. Lauren wants one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. And, you know, I'm sure that Donald Trump meant that as a put down, but I mean, you know, like, who doesn't like a nasty woman, right? I mean, nobody, really. <laughs> <laughs> when Lauren said she wanted a nasty woman t shirt, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is, you know, this is just locker room talk. Just locker room talk. This is just, just locker room talk. Um, right, well, we wanted to talk about something else, though, today. So you want, you want to leave this one off? Because I, I noticed in listening to uh, to episode two of the On Men Corner, you were trying to lead us in this direction. But yeah. of course, I'm ridiculous and only wanted to talk about Yom Kippur and didn't even pick up on your lead into this. Wait, so you, we're not talking. You want to roll? Are we going to talk about Yom Kippur? No, I don't want to talk about Yom Kippur anymore. But do you want to mention that uh, um, you you did, uh, you started training this week, right? I'm so stressed out. Are you, are you sore? This is like, you know. I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm, I'm living in fear right now. Just abject, total fear. So for the benefit of our listeners, this is what happened. If those of you who heard the Amen Corner 2 heard the story of how I almost tore the Torah at my in-law's synagogue a number of years ago during Rosh Hashanah doing something called Hagba. And... Well, my sister, who's awesome and is a big fan of the Amen Corner already, uh, apparently listened to episode two, and I immediately got a text that said, dude, you're doing Hagba at Justin Farmer's <laughs> in January. Justin being her, her son, my, my 12-and-a-half-year-old nephew. So, oh, my. It, so go your, ahead. Si- your sister, who's a very smart woman. Yes. Smarter after, than me. Well, I mean, that goes without saying, probably, but... <laughs> Um, after hearing the story, and probably I'm quite certain that Shirdi had heard that story in the past about how you nearly ripped the Torah. She yeah. hears the story, and her first reaction is, oh, guess what? You're going to do that at my son's bar mitzvah? Well, I think, I guess she, Julie, I guess she had been planning to give me this honor anyway. Julie, you got to rethink this. <laughs> Could you imagine? You've got to rethink this. But, wait, wait, wait. When is the bar mitzvah? It's in January. All right, hold on a second. Right now, we're in October. We're at it's the beginning. It's not what are you talking about. It's Simchat Torah. It's, right. it's like the beginning. Hey, so. it's Simchat Torah. Hey! Yeah. And, right, so we're starting now. So by January... It's not going to be good. It's, it's not, not going to be as bad as it will be, let's it's say, a month from now, but it'll still, it won't, the Torah will not be balanced. No, can you imagine this is something else for me to be neurotic about, right. dude? So what are like, you going to do? Well, first of all, I'm not really that neurotic. Right. Like, I'm totally the most even-keel human being, right? The, I mean, on the Jewish scale, you're probably not very neurotic, <laughs> right? It's unbelievable. Oh, on my the, God. On the Gentile scale, you're probably neurotic, though. Right. Well, so here's the story. Yeah. I'm really worried about this. Okay. So I decided I had to go into hogbot training. You're going into hogbot training. Hogbot <laughs> training. <laughs> All right, cue the Rocky music. I was thinking the same thing, which is, what is what is my training music for Hogbot training? Well, what is, is it? It can't be the Rocky music. Hold on, before you get to the music, what that was about the 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 the, the you know he was the Italian hope. Right, but I'm, what I'm are you going to do? Guy training for Hogba. What? Right, but what does Hogbot training entail? So you have to strengthen one arm over the other. I have an idea of how you can strengthen one arm over the other, but I don't think that you need to have that training for that. What? I think that's locker room talk. 
Yeah, that may be. But all right, so how does what are you doing for Hagma training? I, well, you know, I, I, there's all these things that are kind of running through my head. Like, do I need to go back to the trainer that I had who I, I, I don't have anymore because I have to pay for a million, zillion other things in life, you know, because we have, like, dance class and super dance class and, and the other dance class and this camp and that camp. I decided to give up the, the training. Like, I know why guys our age, like, fought at thought of like they're no longer in good shape because they have to pay for they all can't this. afford a trainer anymore exactly life I mean, this in is... the mean streets of north potomac maryland are, <laughs> it's getting so rough out here that so i can't even afford my now. trainer anymore i can't i had to fire my trainer because i had to because i had to get, send the kids to horse camp at the potomac horse center i know it's nuts yeah man that, so, that is that life is so i was hard. gonna hire him up my yoga you know, I go, I run every other morning, okay. so, you know. But that's not going to help you lift a Torah. No, but I can do, like, you know, push-ups and stuff afterwards, so I don't, I don't really know. Well, so here's the question, like, if I'm training for Hagba, do I have to have, like, should I, like, have the, you know, the Fiddler on the Roof soundtrack? Ooh. Or, well, you know, I was actually thinking about it, I was like, David Lee Roth, Jewish guy, could, could listen to Van Halen, that's our thing. That's true. You know? He was a Jewish kid from Los Angeles. He still is a Jew, but he lives in Indiana on a farm in Indiana. Well, that's where he's from originally, I think. I think he was born in, in Indiana. Well, I read this book, and Dr. Roth yeah. was an ophthalmologist in Los Angeles, actually. I thought that he was a wealthy born in one Indiana, too. though. Whatever. His nana, David Lewis' nana kept kosher. I knew that. Huh. So I, I, I'm just... Okay, I'm here's my suggestion for the music, yeah. then. Okay. David Lee Roth, solo stuff. Oh, God, that's the worst. <laughs> Sorry, that's what you're going to have to do. <laughs> He's like a vaudeville act. That's right. You remember that song, Just a Gigolo? Oh, God. Come on. I'm going to tear the Torah. Come I on. know it. All right. I, All think, right. I think you can do this. I mean, you ran the Army 10-miler. You could certainly lift a Torah. But just so. in case you don't, I just, just want to put it out there to all of the future guests at uh, your nephew's bar mitzvah. Yeah. When Stephen goes up there, everybody look away. <laughs> look away. You have to fast for 40 days or it'll just be me. No, everybody in the room who sees oh, it for 40 God, days. So everybody turn and look away. Dude, I cannot believe there's something else I need to be stressed out about. And Julie, it's not too late to reconsider. Oh, there, Julie, please reconsider. There are plenty please. of other honors I won't do, you can I don't give Stephen. I really don't want to do yeah, it. Plenty of other honors you can give your brother. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of other things. Like what? I don't know. I can open the ark. Ooh. That would be cool. Yeah, that's an easy I'm one. I'm down with that. That's easy. The yeah. problem is, is that, like, you know me, I'll, like, put my hand on the wrong thing and turn off the eternal light or something like that. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> what happens if you turn off the eternal light? We all die. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, this Judaism thing is too way, uh, way, 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 way too much for me at this point. Yeah. All right, all right. I'll talk about training, but this okay. is a great segue. Yes. So, I was talking about training. Go. Yes, so... One of the things that uh, you yes, and I talk about. everywhere. I, now that song is stuck in my head. Go. Sorry. Sorry. One of the things that you and I talk about offline all the time is our admiration for athletes who are becoming socially active and aware and active. So right. I so admire them I, that I'm taking the knee right now. Right. So it started way before Colin Kaepernick, but Colin Kaepernick is the latest manifestation of this. Um, And it's just incredible to me the amount of hatred thrown in this guy's way. 
Well, it's like history repeating itself. I mean, well, right. think about all the hatred directed towards Muhammad Ali. That's true. You know, he's un-American, the threats, and so on and so forth. And he recently died, and he died an American hero. That's right. And, you know, everybody always whitewashes people's records when, when they die. And stuff, but actually, Muhammad Ali had it right from the start. That's right. And he was vilified at the time. He was hated, hated by large segments of the population. But then fast forward 50 years later, and he is universally recognized, almost saint Almost Saint, Saint Muhammad Ali. Could you imagine in this country in, yeah. in 2016, people revering a guy named Muhammad? That's un, un, yeah. But it, it just goes to show, and I think most people have no historical memory. I mean, certainly neither of us were born at the time. But when you look back, you see the you see the footage. You read about that period. Yeah, he was public enemy number one. That's right. And you know, I was on a high school tour with my daughter Talia last week. And we went in one of the schools, we were in a classroom, and they had a whole bunch of pictures on the wall of African-American history. And and one of the pictures they had was of... um, And that isn't even African-American History Month, which is great. No, it's always a school. Yeah, no, no. Right. One of the pictures they had was of uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raising their fists in the Black Power salute at the 1968 Olympics. And I'm looking at that picture, and it's such, an, it's such a powerful picture. And I'm explaining to my daughter what this is. And I said, and do you know that for their legitimate right to express themselves, they were, their, their Olympic medals were taken away from them. Taken it, away. It, it, it taken such away. A, such an incredible story. I recently saw a documentary of, uh, that included the, uh, the story about the Australian who won the medal along with me. He was the silver medalist or the Yeah, uh, he was the silver medalist. medalist. Yeah, I, I saw he, that. He, he, sort of, he sort of joined the, the protest with them. And it was it, it, just an extraordinary story. And um, those two guys suffered oh. so much at the hands of the their media. Whole their whole lives. Their whole lives. Their whole lives. They were never recognized. And when I see that picture... It raises goosebumps on the yeah. back of my neck and, yeah. and the hair on the back of my neck. I mean, just an extraordinary moment in in American in American history. And I think that you know, guys like Kaepernick, uh, Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah. Granted, he's a he's a former member of the of, of the Boston Red Sox. Of the hated and despised. The hated and despised Boston. evil empire. Yeah. Where why do they call the Yankees the evil empire? Because clearly the Red Sox are the evil empire. Well, um, I mean, no. To be an empire, you have to actually be. Yeah, an you empire. have to have won a lot. Right. They, the they might Sox be empire. evil. They may be right. horrible, but they're not no a, empire. Let's really. not let's not give them more credit than they deserve. LeBron, of course. Yeah, when, LeBron you know, is one of the one of the first ones in, in recently within the last couple of years. And here's the thing: I don't understand why people don't like LeBron. I think he's I think he's great. He's first of all, he's an awesome athlete. And incredible social conscience. Yeah. I mean, he and he could really use his his, but everything, every attribute he has to advance the, the conversation about race in America, and he's he's doing it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's a risky move, right? right. It's a risky right. move, especially Think given about, what's gone on beforehand. And th- who is the most hated person in the NFL right now? Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Not the guy who beat his wife. 
the, or the kicker for right. the kicker Josh for the Giants, Brown. Josh Brown. Yeah, not him. Beat his wife. Beat his got wife. one game yeah. suspension. Yeah, and he's, that's okay. He's a everyone's okay with that. I'm sure yeah, not NFL, everyone's okay. NFL with that. general managers don't care about that. They care about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee right. because African Americans are getting killed by police officers for no reason. It's, right. it's yeah. It's, uh, well, yes, we know the reason. Right. They're African American. Exactly. They're driving. Driving while black. They're walking with their hands in their pockets. Yeah. They're running away. But God forbid uh, you, may, you you say something about that, and then all of a sudden you hate the cops, you hate America. Right. You know, it's interesting because Trump is running his entire campaign on how awful this country is. That's all he's saying. It's like right. we've never been worse. The things have never been worse. The system is corrupt. Everything's bad. But nobody questions his patriotism. Right. Nobody. Exactly. Well, and the thing is that he says is bad. One of the things he would say is bad about the country is that you have players taking the knee during the national right. anthem rather than addressing why they are taking the knee during the national anthem, which is why I, I have to say Adrian Gonzalez his demand that they move the team, they move the Dodgers out of the Trump hotel that they were right. supposed to stay in in Chicago it was an appropriate move. Totally. Absolutely. He's, again, here's, here's somebody using his stature to stand up for what's right. To right. say, no, I'm not staying in this place because this guy is a fucking racist. Right. Good right. for him, and good for good the for Dodgers. Him. Absolutely, and good for the Dodgers that they that they moved. That they did right. right. In years past, they wouldn't have that. Wouldn't have happened. Adrian Gonzalez would have slept on someone's couch. Well, I mean, the Dodgers do have a good, a, better, rec- good a better track record than better track record. Well, certainly better than our Yankees. I'm very sorry to say. Yes. Yeah, what, would, what do you think? What do you think? I, I hate to bring this up, but but what would Derek Jeter do? I don't if know. you're still playing, that you would never know because Derek Jeter would never take a yeah. controversial position on anything. And, we, is, and we love Jeter. We, I love Jeter. I mean, he's, come on. There's been no. If he was doing. You know what? If he was doing Hogba, yeah, the Torah would just raise itself from the true. from the lectern. I don't think he would and worry it, about which side was heavier and which side wasn't heavier on the Torah. No, no, no. It would just. It would just. It would just levitate, and then he'd send it a fruit basket in the morning. Nice. Autograph with some <laughs> autograph t-shirts and memorabilia. Do you know, when I told Lauren that story, she thought it was a classy move. Well, she was not, she was, I think she has than, a crush, she's a Red Sox fan, but I think she has a crush on Derek Jeter. It's Jude. better than leaving. And I think she would have been more than happy to receive a fruit basket from Derek Jeter. I, it wasn't a fruit basket, it was a basket of uh, memorabilia. Oh, I thought it was a fruit yeah. basket. And it's not a basket of deplorables, it's a basket <laughs> of autographed Derek Jeter memorabilia. <laughs> You're right, though. I mean, and that's a little bit disappointing on the on the part of, of Jeter for yes. not. And then, of course, we have on the other side of the spectrum, we have the Paul O'Neills, oh. who we loved, oh. we, we, the warrior, we loved him. He was a Trump supporter, and then, oh. of course, hold on, before, that before gas we, bag, yeah, blowhard, ignoramus, idiot, moron, jagoff. Fuck face, Kurt Schilling. You forgot who, racist, bigot, misogynist. Uh, <laughs> What a Dick. fucking asshole! Dick. I know. Oh, I hate Kurt Schilling. I hate Kurt Schilling when he obviously I hated him because he was a Red Sox and the whole thing with his bloody sock. bloody ankle and stuff like that. But he's just—he is the worst. He's the worst expression of a goddamn redneck, backwards-thinking, true racist jerk. I mean, could you imagine him in the locker room? Ugh. Well, here that you know what—that's a good point, right? So here we have 
Uh, on one side of the equation, we have these African-American athletes who are trying to give voice to uh, a movement that is uh, in favor of advancing you know, the cause of African-Americans around the country. Equality. Right? And on the other side, we have white athletes who, I don't know if you saw this a couple of weeks ago uh, in the Times, but there was a, a poll taken, not a scientific poll, but an informal poll uh, of current NFL players. And I oh, think I think it, you sent this to yeah, me. Yeah. I think it was like 22 white um, players and 22 African-American players were asked who they were voting for. Right. And of the 22 whites, all 22 were voting for Trump. And of the 22 African-Americans, I think 20 were voting for Clinton. Now, how you one would think that these professional athletes who have been on integrated teams for years. Years. That that been in the locker rooms. Yes, and right. played together, teammates, like that, in theory, should lend itself to a greater level of understanding. Are, are, are these locker rooms kind of segregated? Do only know. the white guys hang out with the white guys and the African-American guys play, hang out with the African-American guys? I, like, I have a completely different image of this. You know, like, I, I don't know how, the, how, how is it that they coexist in this environment. The locker room at the Equinox on 91st and Broadway is not segregated. Yeah, but is that like the Jets locker room? No, I don't know. But there's there's something going on, right? So right. so we we're celebrating Kaepernick and Adrian Gonzalez LeBron, and LeBron Carmelo and Carmelo. But at the same out. yeah, but at the same time, you know, it's not right. for Kurt Schilling, like how do we get there? And how does you know right. Paul O'Neill, who everybody thinks like, oh, he's so great, he was a great teammate. We went to, we went to Paul O'Neill uh, Day. Don't even remind me. I oh. am so I was I'm so distraught to this day over the fact that Paul O'Neill was at a Donald Trump rally. That we were so psyched to go to Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill was my favorite Yankee. Was I drove up from Washington? I know. To go to Paul O'Neill. I know. This was this is the ultimate betrayal. Ugh, the ultimate terrible. betrayal because. All of my memories are tainted now. All of them. Mm. I was. I know the, when he was when he was beating up water coolers. What, what was he imagining in his in his head? Don't even go there. Oh, I'm not going. Don't there. even I'm go going there. there. Terrible. I feel betrayed. Yeah, I'm, I do too. It's really, uh, and then the shilling thing. I don't feel betrayed by him because, as you pointed out, he was a fucking dick before. <laughs> But, he was supposed to have some big rally in support of Trump, and right. like five people showed I up. I love that. Fifteen people showed up in Boston, and Kurt Schilling. Yeah, I think I forwarded there. that tweet to you. Yeah. That was sweet. But the I other mean, day, the other day when he was interviewed on CNN, and he just went off about why Jews, you know, wondering why Jews vote Democrat, considering Democrats. I, I saw that with, with Jake Tapper. Yeah, Democrats but, hate wait, Israel. It's like here's the question: I have fuck up. Why? Why is Kurt Schilling on CNN talking about anything? Great question. Because he's running for Senate, maybe if his family lets him. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he gives. I'm sure he lets his against wife. Against Elizabeth split. Warren, he's I'm, running against Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he gives his wife uh, free reign to determine what he does and does not do. Right, right, right. Because he's such a progressive. <laughs> right, exactly. He's so enlightened that I'm sure that his wife is the one who is going to make that decision, and his so, children. Oh God, he is a douche. He is right. He is the embodiment of a douchebag. Of white entitlement. And, ugh, disgusting. Anyway. Oh. So, 
Well, that's not like a real uplifting thing. We should so, probably talk about Maria Bartiromo's décolletage again. I thought we, we did that already. I, I know, know, but like after this whole discussion of the state of race and athletes and so on and so forth, I'm just... So I'm, I'm curious, depressed. what did the Washington Post say about that? Like, how did they get to that... Um, topic this morning. Oh well, no, there was a. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't in the news section. It was. Uh, you know, like everybody else in Washington. The first thing I do is I flip to the to the op eds to see who of my friends and frenemies are in the op ed section today. Yeah. Um. And there's a Kathleen Parker column called "Elites Booed, Trumpistas Cheered," mm. and so it's this kind of rip on the on the dinner, right? Uh, and it's. And she talks about uh, no one watching could have missed the cleavage clad yeah. in candy apple red beneath long sparkling earrings as Bartiromo's elbow length gloves fluttered like white doves, directing traffic to the heart of things. Uh, that's, that's a lovely uh, description. It, it was it was a, it actually a lovely description of it, and I I, I I do have to say that 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 dinner. And, and all of the kind of cringe-worthy aspects of it would have been that much harder to take, but for Maria Bartiromo. So I think we owe her a debt of gratitude. <laughs> we definitely owe her a debt of gratitude. And she, I was once on the show with her. She's 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 a very nice she's a very nice person and a very hardworking journalist. I should add. Okay, um, so I think we should award her the Amen Corner's first ever Person of the Week to Maria Bartiromo for making. The Al uh, Smith dinner, a little less cringeworthy, yes. is our person week. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. So, I love it. We, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to let her know. Okay. I'm sure she'll be thrilled. You think? Yeah, I think I, I think it's going to make her week. Uh, well, certainly, she made our week. So, <laughs> <laughs> turnabout is fair play. <laughs> My God. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, I think we're done here for yeah, the Amen Corner episode. I think so. Right. So, so I will uh, talk with you soon. We'll get talk back. To you later. We'll get back with episode four soon, right? Soon. And uh, thanks to all our listeners. Yeah, have you a good are. one. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.